I now have the privilege and pleasure of introducing today's speaker. It's somebody who as a church we love very dearly. Somebody who walks the walk and talks the talk. Somebody who is passionate about Jesus, passionate about worship, passionate about people becoming all that they're called to be. It's Penny Seidel. Why don't you open up your hearts, your minds and your spirits to receive what God would say to you this morning through Penny. Good morning. It is so good to be with you today. And thank you, as always, Pete and Nikki, for giving me this opportunity to be able to share. We're under construction. That's the name of our new series. Nikki started us off by explaining that our character is developed in the darkness, the hard places. Effie then brought a word saying that in our brokenness, God is always building. As we started just thinking about this, I thought, Lord, what, what's on your heart for us today? And I was in my study and I heard this noise. It went something like this. Now that's not normally something we hear in our house, but our neighbors have just recently started a loft conversion. And I was used to the normal music going on from the builders, the, the hammering, the skip, the noise going in, the stuff going into the skip, but this really caught my attention. And then I smelled burning, so I thought, I need to go check it out. So of course I got my husband to come with me. We go up in our loft, we have a Velux window, there's a bird's eye view, and we see this builder with a massive blowtorch. And of course I said, Gary, what's he doing? And he explained to me that he, the blowtorch was heating the roof felt together so it would secure the edges together, making a safe roof, a safe shelter. And as I started thinking about this, it reminded me of a verse in scripture and it's being sealed. It says, as Jesus followers, those who believe are sealed with the Holy Spirit and he is a guarantee of our inheritance. And it's a beautiful passage in Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. And it's, it's explaining that by saying we are sealed, God is saying, hey, you have the Holy Spirit, so you belong to me. And with that, you carry my authority to bring life, to bring hope, to bring peace, to share the gospel unashamedly to all around you. And he says, that there's a guarantee, the Holy Spirit is a guarantee of our inheritance. It's like a deposit on things yet to come. I love in this verse also, it says the Holy Spirit who is a guarantee of our inheritance. This implies the Holy Spirit is a person, which means we have this ongoing relationship that I can listen, I can hear, I can act, I can obey. And it sounds great, doesn't it? But sometimes there's something that can come against us that will deafen us to, to the voice of the Holy Spirit that can rob our destiny, our inheritance from God. And it can also harden our hearts, dull our hearts quicker than anything. And that is a spirit of unbelief. I really feel like this is a word for us today because there's so much attacking all of us at this moment. 
Sometimes the way the Holy Spirit speaks to me is very subtle and gentle. Other, other times it's smack, hey, this is how it is. Let me give you an example. One night I had such a restless sleep and I woke up the next morning and just was washing my face with icy cold water to, to come alive. And as I splashed the water in my face, I looked up in the mirror and immediately I heard these words, Pen, I told you I've got this. And I realized I had been carrying so much that I wasn't meant to. My eyes were fixed on the wrong thing. I was listening to the wrong voices, doubt and fear, anxiety. All of that was coming up. So the truth of what he had called me to do, step into, I was believing the lies. I was believing I couldn't do it. I was inadequate. And he said, Pen, I told you I've got this. So I said, Holy Spirit, I'm sorry, forgive me. And it's something I go back to when I'm in that zone of, oh, this is hard. He says, I've got this and I can trust him. And then that belief, his truth is louder because what's important, we act on what we believe, not just what we know. Other times the Holy Spirit will speak to me in random ways. Another time, again, I was in the bathroom, I was brushing my teeth. My husband happened to be outside. And at this time, one of our sons, who I won't name, but he's 6'4", and he's married to Vicki. If you know our family, you know who I'm speaking of. Because when I was brushing my teeth, I had been walking up and down the hall, doing things, multitasking as normal. And when I went into the bathroom, I saw in the mirror another thing that I could have jumped out of my skin. And... The way my son describes it is that he heard the loudest scream. In fact, my husband said he heard it on the street. My son heard this scream and he thought two things. Either someone's come in the house and completely taking her out, which he thought that can't be because we have a big dog that we would have heard, or she's seen something and it was the latter. And believe it or not, when I was brushing my teeth, I looked down and right here, right here was not a tiny spider, but a big spider. Now spiders belong on the wall. They should be outside, but in our house, we have an older house. They belong on the wall or in the tub, but they did not belong on my shirt. Now I want you to think about this. How do you think I reacted? Well, I screamed, so no one came to my rescue, but I knew at that moment, it was a nanosecond that I chucked that thing off of me, and sadly for insect lovers, I thought, you don't belong in my house, so I squished it. Now, can you imagine, later on, the Holy Spirit said, Penny, how long did you let that spider stay on you? And I was like, yeah, you know, not, not long at all. And he said, that's what I want you to do. When something lands on you that you know is counter to my truth, counter what I've said about you, counter to, to my love for you, I want you to get it off immediately. 
And it just, um, it, it was this phrase that stuck in my head that he wants us to be alert. And when we are, we can alter our thinking. When we need aligned, we're alert and we can alter our thinking. And it all begins with the prompting from the Holy Spirit. It's a continual relationship that he wants us to learn his voice louder than others. As I was looking and going, Papa, what scripture do you have for us? I kept coming back to this one passage and it's a beautiful story of two people that encountered Jesus because of their belief. And I want us to look, we're actually in Luke 8, and it's verses 40 to 56. I'm going to summarize it for you, but basically Jesus had been on one side of Galilee. It said he had been ministering to the Gentiles. Miracles were happening. In fact, it said that the, as the crowds came in, his power was released to the multitude, and anyone who was near was healed, whether it was of demonic or um, if they had leprosy, blind, they were healed. So as he comes back to the other side of Galilee, there is a crowd waiting for him, and it's in the Jewish re region. It said there the people were overjoyed and excited to see Jesus. And at this time, two characters emerge. There's a man named Jairus. Jairus is a leader in the synagogue. He's well-respected. He has a home. He has servants, which implies he has wealth. And right now, he has a crisis of belief. His daughter, only daughter who's 12 years old, is dying. And Jairus, it says he makes his way through this crowd. And as I studied this, it said there were so many people, they were crushing in on each other. So he was determined. And he gets to the feet of Jesus. And he cries out, Teacher, will you come to my house and heal my daughter? She's dying. And so together they start moving through the crowd to go to his house. At the same time, there's a woman in all three gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels. They describe this woman as unnamed with an issue. He had a name. She's unnamed, but her issue is that she's been bleeding for 12 years, the same number of years that this young girl had been alive. She had spent all of her money, everything that she had had, trying to see physicians, healers to get better, but yet in all the gospels, it said that she got worse. Jairus cried out to Jesus for his daughter. She had no one to speak for her. The Gospels don't say that she had a husband or children because the problem, she was unclean because of her condition. And with Jewish law, it meant that she, no way should she be in a crowd. There's no way that she should be touching people because that meant if she's unclean, they would become unclean. 
Can you imagine being on the fringe of society, not being able to go to the market and shop and, and be with other people, not hang out at the well and talk and socialize? And most of all, she was not allowed to even go into the temple to worship. And unclean in that society meant that their connection with God was broken. So she had all these things going against her, all these things that she didn't have. But yet, the scripture says, she says, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed. So despite what she doesn't have, she exhibits and exudes great faith. She has belief. So she starts making her way through the crowd. If you can imagine the looks, the jeers, risk of being punished for breaking the law. But she's desperate and she goes to, towards Jesus and she manages to touch just the hem of his garment. And at that moment, his power goes through her body and she knows instantly that she's healed. And Jesus in this crowd says, hey, who touched me? And nobody answers. And Peter, of course, then says, hey, Jesus, what do you mean? There's a massive crowd. What do you mean who touched you? There's a lot of people. And he said, no, my power was released. And at this moment, the, the woman falls at Jesus' feet and says, I knew if I touched you, I would be healed. And he says to her daughter, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Now, as he was saying these words, a servant comes up from Jairus' house and says, don't bother the master, your daughter is dead. If you can imagine right now, it just if you were in that story, and Jairus must have thought, if only, if only I would have gotten here earlier, if only he wouldn't have stopped to help this woman. You see, in that time, women were second class. The fact that she came through the crowd, the fact she came to Jesus, that shouldn't have happened. She had to go against the culture. But Jesus looks at Jairus and he says, do not be afraid, only believe. So they make their way to his house, just James, Peter, and John, and Jesus. And as they get there, there's mourners and they're wailing. And Jesus says, don't worry, she's, a, she's not dead, she's asleep. And they start laughing. They start making fun of him and ridiculing. And he says, it says in the, the gospel that he rebukes their unbelief and he sends them out. That's a good example right there. When we have the enemy come in and just say all the things we can't do, that life's not worth it, that it's too hard, that if God really loved me, this wouldn't be happening. My friend would not be on death's door right now. We have to take those thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. We trust our Father. 
and we tell those thoughts that don't line up with his truth, that unbelief, we tell it to leave. Jesus casts them out. He goes into the house and he simply says, little girl, arise. And she lives. He touched her and she lives. It's a beautiful story. There's two main things I want us to, to grab hold on. Jairus could have doubted when there was delay. And I believe a lot of us right now have been waiting for answers. We've been praying, we've been believing, we've worshiped, we're still waiting. And Jesus says, don't be afraid, only believe. And even as you read that, you might think he said it quite empathetically with, with con compassion. But as you study it, he's actually really exhorting Jairus, like saying, be strong. A minute ago, you had faith. You threw yourself at my feet and said, you can heal my daughter. Come. So now when there's a delay, don't let unbelief rise. Only believe, he says. And then one of the most compelling things as you study that we don't want to miss. When Jesus had healed this woman, what he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. I want you to imagine she's at Jesus' feet. She realizes that by law, first of all, being in the crowd, going against all the law, she could have been punished. And even the fact that she touched his garment, as you read this, it was most, it was a prayer shawl. It's called the talit that as a teacher, as a rabbi, Jesus would have had on. And, and she touched the tassel. The tassel, the way it's formed, it's braided, and it represents the law, the commandments. Picture this. She touches what represents the law. And the law, by law, she should have been punished. But yet Jesus brings her life. And in the most tender, affirming way, he acknowledges her in this crowd and calls her daughter. And do you know that nowhere else in scripture is it ever recorded that Jesus spoke to an individual and called them daughter? How affirming. He gave her new identity. He said, you're part of my family now. I'm doing this because I picture him holding, grasping her hand. Can you imagine? She hasn't been touched for 12 years. That acceptance, that love. And in that moment, her identity's changed because of her belief. She's in his family. Her body is made completely well. And then he uses this phrase, go in peace. Now we know from the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. In the New Testament, it's 
in Greek, and it's Irene, and it means completeness, wholeness. So Jesus not only wanted to heal her body, he said, you are whole. And when you look at this further, the and I want to read this but because it, it's so beautiful and I think it's so pertinent right now. As I studied this, Irene means a person with God's Irene peace is an inner stability to live and walk in peace even in the midst of most traumatic circumstances. You can have God's peace. And I know this is for a lot of people that things are happening that seem out of control, completely out of control, but we can have God's peace. We have some dear friends that we are communicating with. We've seen that just in a matter of days, she has been put on intubation. She has a heart issue and she, her life is literally hanging in the balance. But her husband just beautifully shared on Facebook. These are friends of ours that we've known for 30 years and have done ministry together. Her husband said she longs to be here and she's going to fight. She's going to fight as hard as she can. But she also knows that she has peace, that whatever is meant to be, if she ends up in the arms of the Father, she said, I'm not afraid of death. I know Jesus. And that belief that's so powerful, it's not a belief in fluffy words. It's not a belief that things line up in the universe for me and create my destiny. It is the object of our belief, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And that's what makes the difference. And to wrap it up, I, I just, I believe that we can learn so much from Jairus when there are delays. Do I want to race ahead? Do I want to just do things in my own strength, in my own wisdom and say, forget it and leave, leave Holy Spirit back there? Or do we wait and watch God work and give us abundantly, exceedingly above all we ask or think. And with the unnamed woman, who I cannot wait to, to meet her one day. I've always thought, I want to go for Moses or Peter or, of course, Jesus. But as I studied this, I thought, I cannot wait one day to find out her name. Because her story of belief is so powerful. She could have for years just kept going the way she was. But Jesus changed her story. And to wrap it up, I wanted to just pose this question. What's the story that you believe over your life? What's the story that you believe over your life. The woman, she believed that Jesus could heal her if she, if she just got to him and she was made whole. 
Did you believe that he has given you things that he wants you to do in this season that we've almost been put to sleep? He's saying, awake, align your hearts to me. Tune in your ears to the Holy Spirit and step into those things I've called you to do. Now's the time. There's no more delays. Sometimes it may be a story that other people have spoken over us that we need to say, actually, that's not the truth. So I wanna just pray and just, as you think about these questions, what's the story over my life that I'm believing? Am I not good enough? Am I too old, too young? Am I not smart enough? The resources aren't there. What are you believing? And maybe if it's something that just doesn't line up with God's truth, he's saying, you know what? Give it to me. Give it to me. Take those things. Let faith rise. In faith we do. Our belief has actions. So give Jesus those things that they won't dominate who you are every day. We only have one life and we want to live it well. And so we lay those things. We choose, Father, first forgive us for, for believing the wrong things. Forgive us for allowing unbelief to rise up greater than your truth. And we lay those things at the cross where you died for us. And we know that you are now in heaven and you were raised. And that means you see all things. You intercede for us and you're cheering us on. So Lord, we choose to partner with your truth and allow that authority to reign in our life. And if there's things that other people have spoken over us for years that has been in our mind, Father, we just declare that you form us. There's a beautiful passage in, and I just want to read this last verse in Psalm 139, verse 16. Out of the Passion Translation says this, You saw who you created me to be before I became me. You saw who you created me to be before I became me. Church, he wants us to rise up. He wants us to have a spirit of belief that can help bring hope to others and bring his life because he's worth telling others about. We love you. Jesus, we thank you that you are such a beautiful gift to us. And you know, if there's anyone that sees this next week, a year from now, if you aren't a Jesus follower, it's so simple. He says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that he's raised from the dead, you'll be saved. And it's simple saying, Jesus, thank you that you love me. Thank you that you created me. Thank you that you know me. And forgive me for doing life without you, for running ahead, doing my own thing. 
but I choose today and I choose to have you in my life. I ask you to be in my life. And at that moment, he says, you're mine. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit through eternity. So Jesus, we love you. We thank you. Thank you that you're always there in your name. Amen.